Welcome to another episode of Balancing the Deficit. This is your host, Cedric Cole, MD. This is a brief reminder that this episode is for entertainment purposes only and not medical advice. Go and talk to your primary care provider for further information, for further care. Let's get into it. All right, so as mentioned before, there is a shift in thinking about obesity. It's going from a personal choice, moral choice, where you know people just ate better if they just moved more, watch what they ate, then they can just lose the weight. Why can't you just lose the weight? It's just you and your choices, but if shifting this this thought is shifting to a thinking as obesity as a chronic disease with multiple factors such as environmental factors where people can't really control where they live where they eat you know they live in a rural situation or they live in a um in a food desert type of situation or you know there are genetic factors where everybody everybody's body is different and if you give one person cake then another person will react a completely different way so there's environmental genetic factors multiple factors um that affect obesity and with people with obesity you know like they need help with managing this obesity and they you know now the shifting is thinking of this as a as a chronic disease so you know, like for several people, dying and exercise is not enough to control weight. With obesity comes other health problems such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease. This this trend is being seen globally. According to the World Health Organization, obesity has nearly tripled worldwide since nineteen seventy five. In two thousand sixteen, more than one point nine billion adults aged 18 years or older, were overweight. Of these, more than 650 million people were considered obese. 39% of adults aged 18 or more or older are considered overweight in 2016, and 13% of those people were obese. And most of the world's population lives in countries where being overweight or being obese, with the conditions kill more people than being underweight or anorexic. So, like 1.9 billion adults, that's like 7 billion people in the world, so a huge chunk of people are dealing with obesity and the health conditions that come with it, such as your diabetes, such as your high blood pressure, so on and so forth, and more people live in states where you know, obesity is killing more people than being underweight. So I just want to talk about a class of medications that's been getting a lot of attention um, in the media, in society in general. And this class of medications is, is helping people with controlling their weight, you know, controlling their blood sugars. And it can also help with cardiovascular disease. This class of medications are called glucagon-like peptide 
one agonist or GLP one agonist. And just for the sake of the rest of this episode, I'm just going to say it was Olympic. Um, because at first I was thinking to myself like, Oh, there's competition for Olympic, like Victoza and the Raglatide, whatever. And after doing like some research for this episode, I, I noticed like, yo, it's the same company making this medication there's going to be some competition coming out eventually but just for simplicity's sake ozempic the way ozempic works is that it mimics the effect of glp1 and glp1 is produced naturally in the body and it helps to regulate blood sugar levels by stimulating the release of insulin from the pancreas and it also reduces the amount of sugar, the amount of glucose produced by the liver. Another way that Ozempic works is that it slows down the movement of food through the stomach and the GI tract, which can lead to feelings of fullness and reduced appetite. With insulin, insulin is a hormone that is mainly secreted by your beta cells in your, from your pancreas. And it coordinates with glucagon to modulate your blood sugar levels. So insulin regulates your blood sugar levels in the bloodstream and also regulates sugar storage in your liver, muscles, fatty tissue. So when you have like sugar in your blood, just from whatever kind of like food that you eat, insulin gets released and it basically just stores that sugar into your tissue like muscle, liver, wherever, fat, fat, fat is an organ. Um, so how does insulin, you know, compare it to, to Ozempic? So Ozempic has multiple advantages. Like for one, you don't have to take multiple injections in a day. So whenever you get a patient with who who needs insulin like they take like a like one long acting dose of insulin either in the morning or the night time and then they got to take another dose of insulin with each meal so you're asking a person to take like three or four shots a day um whereas with ozempic you know with ozempic you know, this person only has to take a shot once a week so you know it's easier to keep up with it's easier to ask someone like, hey, do this once a week versus four times in a day. So you have like greater compliance. Another thing that's been going on, like with between Ozempic and insulin, you know, you get like a person who has diabetes, you usually start them on something like metformin. So you would just and if the metformin wasn't managing the diabetes, then you would just direct them to insulin. So now you actually have like a like an in-between medication. So instead of like going from insulin to no from metformin to insulin, like now we have another medication that we can try. So you know, Ozempic can, you know, is a is a medication that can help you manage diabetes. As with the media, the media nowadays um, with the media, 
one of the advantages of Ozempic is that it can help a person lose weight. You know, like people, and it wasn't with Ozempic specifically. It wasn't really studied like, hey, does this medication help you lose weight? Like the the other form of Ozempic called Wegovi was more more so studied to for weight loss, but with Ozempic itself, it's, it's like Ozempic has the primary you know goal of managing your insulin, like managing your blood sugars. So it controls that. It controls your HbA1c levels you know pretty pretty well you know pretty well in comparison to insulin as in fact in some studies it shows that it can lower your hba1c a little bit more than insulin and with regards to weight gain versus weight loss people who take ozempic you know they they have uh, a pretty a pretty decent weight loss like around like 5 10 pounds you know 10% of weight loss versus people who take insulin and they gain weight off of insulin. And just like, just from my little personal, from my little experience, one thing that I see about insulin is if, you know, like it's like a never ending escalation. So with those Olympic, you only have like a few doses, like you have half a milligram, then you have one milligram or so that you can give Ozempic after that. You know, not not much else to do. You just got to give insulin. But with insulin, like, you can start a person on, like, five units. Then it can go up to 10 units. Then it can go up to 20 units. Then it can go up to 40 units. It gets to a certain point where, you know, like, you're just putting a Band-Aid on a problem versus, you know, cutting off the, the problem at its root. Another advantage of Ozempic over insulin is the fact that this class of medications is found to reduce the risk of cardiovascular events such as strokes and heart attacks in type 2 diabetics who have cardiovascular disease. So Ozempic has benefits against arteriosclerotic cardiovascular disease, cardiovascular disease. It has um, benefits for heart failure, even though it might not actually help heart failure. It, patients who have heart failure they have fewer cardiovascular events versus patients who are not on who are not on uh ozempic or victoza so much so that i think that the american heart association the american college of cardiovascular um diseases they they recommend they highly recommend putting patients with cardiovascular disease on on ozempic Whereas with insulin, you know, the, the benefits, like there's no benefit, like it might not harm you, but there's no benefit to putting a patient, you know, with cardiovascular disease on insulin versus Ozempic. So multiple advantages, multiple advantages, you know, comparable, you know, blood sugar control, less shots, you know, lowers risk cardiovascular disease and events. Um, very very solid medication one thing to always consider when you're hearing you know results like weight loss lowering you know cardiovascular events like one thing to always consider is that um people are you know they're 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 doing this work under 
research study conditions. So people have probably received some training as to what to expect from from Ozempic. They what to expect from the medication. You know, they're being followed pretty closely. You know, they're being followed closely, they're having conversations, they're being measured, they, like their sugars are being measured, their weight is being measured on a pretty frequent basis and you know you comparison this to placebo and insulin so these are some pretty good results but you know it'll be a challenge to mimic these kind of results if patients you know haven't been given a solid you know like a solid background you know a solid education on what this medication is you know how to properly take the medication you know what to really ex to really expect from this medication and you know if you don't include the other important aspects such as diet exercise proper sleep stress management then then a person may not see this 15 pound weight loss 10 pound weight loss you know the lowering of blood glucose and H hba1c so you know the the education piece of it is something that just cannot be overlooked when giving the person this kind of medication. So who is this medication made for? Who is this medication supposed to you know, be for? So I've just been running across this medication on the, on the social media. And you know, this, this medication isn't really meant for people within normal weight limits, like with a BMI of 20, BMI of 17, who are wanting to just shave off that extra, you know, bit of baby fat. So this, um, sorry for ju sounding judgmental, but this medication is for type 2 diabetics. Ozempic is for type 2 diabetics. And Victoza is for type 2 diabetics. So people with type 1 diabetes this is this is not for them like this is not for type 1 diabetic this is not for treatment of diabetic ketoacidosis this is um the Ozempic Victoza form of this medication which is like 0 0.5 milligrams 1 milligram is for type 2 diabetics who are having difficulty with controlling their diabetes but um recently there have been weight management forms of these medications. And the, so for the Ozempic weight loss, like the weight management form, this the medication is called Wegovy. And it's a two milligram once weekly medication. And that medication is meant for people who are obese with a BMI of around like 30 and or or if they have a BMI if they're overweight and they have a BMI of twenty seven with an accompanying uh chronic medical issue such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type two diabetes. So for Victoza, Victoza, like I say, like it's another GLP one agonist and it's a once daily medication. It's weight loss, it's weight management form is called Saxenda, and that medication is 
uh, again, meant for people who are obese with a BMI of 30 or if they have a BMI of 27 with an accompanying with an accompanying chronic disease, such as your diabetes, your hyperlipidemia, high blood pressure. So as so, you know, we keep talking about adults, you know, let's talk about the kids, you know, back in 2010, 2011, I know, you know, the, the honorable Michelle Obama was, you know, was trying to do like the get moving campaign for overweight kids and obese kids. Um, unfortunately, there has been more, more cases of kids getting type two diabetes you know, you think to yourself like you got all like you got all day after after class. You have some of these schools have recess. Your kids getting obese and overweight, and you know, getting diabetes. Like yeah, this is becoming more frequent. So, as recent as December twenty twenty two, Saxenda has been approved for kids for pediatric patients twelve years old and older who are obese, who have the BMI 30, who have, who are overweight with the chronic medical conditions such as your high blood pressure, um, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, like you have the ability for a pediatrician to prescribe Sexenda or another form of Ozempic to a pediatric population. So, Instead of going out there playing in the in the playground in the yard, like these these kids can get their hands on some sexenda as well. I, I can I can imagine that conversation. Um Son, son, let me borrow some of that let me get some of that sexenda. I'm about to go to the beach. But I digress. You know, like whatever people do, you know, it's up to them. Um but you know and and it's getting from the American, you know, healthcare American, you know, issue to this is becoming like a worldwide issue. This is becoming a worldwide. Um, this is being recognized globally as a as a as a problem. So the World Health Organization, they're going to meet at the end of this month. They're going to meet at the end of April between like April twenty fourth and April twenty eighth to discuss updates and revisions to their essential medications list. And Saxenda, the weight loss form of Lagraglitide, is on the table to be added to the World Health Organization's list of essential medications. So the fact that it's even being talked about being added to the essential list of medications, I mean, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about medications that treat malaria. We're talking about essential blood pressure medications, essential antibiotics, essential cancer medications. So so Ozempic the uh Sexenda, Sexenda is you know on the list of essential medications that you know that could be added to this to this list. And currently currently one of the biggest problems about these medications is that out of pocket, if you don't have insurance, um, these these medications can run you like a thousand dollars 
can run you like $1,500 if you don't have insurance. So some of the patents on, on some of these medications like Victoza, they're going to run out at the end of the year. So by the time you let generic manufacturers um, make these medications, then you know, that will lower the price. But right now, price is a pretty big um, hurdle to, to get over. And, you know, if the World Health Organization lets this medication come on the essential the essential list, then one of the, one of the one of the benefits is that it'll lower the the price of this medication to be used worldwide. So let's talk about industry and Ozempic. So with industry, they're starting to catch wind um, of this medication. And insulin companies recognize that GLP-1 inhibitors are becoming the more, quote-unquote, preferred method to control blood sugar. Under the Inflation Reduction Act, senior citizens are having their insulin costs capped at $35 per month as of this year. Eli Lilly announced that they are capping their out-of-pocket costs of insulin at around like $35 a month. So... And that made me ask the question, like, does that mean that it'd be $35 for both the long-acting and the short-acting? Like, I can get both the long-acting, short-acting insulin for $35 a month, or are we talking $35 for long-acting, then it's $35 for short-acting, because then we're talking about $70 a month, at least. So, and it made me beg the question, like, could they have just done this the whole time? Because it wasn't too long ago, I was watching documentaries and news programs about you know people having to decide whether they have to pay for insulin or pay for rent so they if, and this insulin has been around for like at least 100 years at like at least 100 years so it's like the cost of this could have been so much cheaper so much earlier but case of rasara i'm i'm glad that insulin manufacturers are you know, making, finally making insulin more affordable. So and it's about time they got some competition. And Ozempic, you know, the, the whole, like, weight loss form of this medication, the whole weight loss industry, um, Ozempic is becoming a booming industry. You know, I think in 2022, it generated, like, $2.4 billion. And Research projected that this the profits could increase to $54 billion by 2030. Um, one company that's getting in on early on on this trend is Weight Watchers. But, um, Weight Watchers, and they're currently now known as WW International, but I, I still call them Weight Watchers. And they're trying to get into prescribing this medication via telehealth. So I remember back in the day, back in the, you know, years ago, like Weight Watchers was into selling, you know, shakes and cookies and crackers, kind of sort of like Snackville did back in the 1990s. And to see them trying to break into prescribing, um, to prescribing Sixenda or like the 
the weight loss, Wegovy, the weight loss form of these medications, you know, it's starting to, you know, come into the thin line, like starting to the question of, you know, who are patients and, and who are customers. So whenever I see a person go to Weight Watchers, I'm thinking of them as, you know, customers. But, you know, these are, you know, these are actually like health problems. And, you know, you just don't look at one problem without addressing the other issues because, you know, like working as a primary care provider, you know, we address high blood pressure. We we address high cholesterol. You know, if someone comes in with a bad back or sore knees, like we address all those issues. Whereas if a person is going to Weight Watchers, you know, I'm not trying to critique or nothing, but you know, they come to, to, to Weight Watchers and they want to lose weight and they got all these other issues. You know, like you just come to them straight for the, straight for the Sixenda. And I don't know if they will address the high cholesterol, the high blood pressure, like what exactly to do. And, you know, I've never really been a part of the program. And, you know, with the insurance companies, like as mentioned earlier, these are thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar, uh, a pen kind of medications, like kind of drugs. So if insurance is seeing a prescription made from a primary care provider, they may be a little bit more apt to, to fit the bill versus getting this medication um, prescribed from Weight Watchers. Like with the insurance, look at Weight Watchers as this person is doing this from a boutique standpoint, like their customer are Weight Watchers versus the patient. So, you know, it's really blurring the line. And, you know, like, I, I can't really answer those questions in this format, but only time will tell. So, you know, I don't want to just harp on the benefits of Ozempic. I don't want to harp on, like, too many of the positives of Ozempic. Like, with any kind of medication, you know, you, you just have to be aware of potential side effects. And I'm going to share some of these side effects with you. As mentioned earlier, as mentioned earlier, um, one of the ways that Ozempic works is by slowing down your gut mot motility so that you feel fuller faster. So, one of the things that can happen is, you know, if you feel fuller faster, because food ain't going nowhere, like you're not, you know, basically pooping it out, <laughs> then, you know, a person can feel nauseated person can feel like they're throwing up if you're throwing up and you feel nauseated then you know you're losing a lot of fluid and so you know that can cause problems such as feeling dehydrated it can potentially cause kidney problems cause kidney issues um one of the ways that ozempic works is by you know you know stimulating your your pancreas to release insulin so a person, there's a risk of pancreatitis associated with using Ozempic. Sometimes with our older populations, you know, sometimes you, you want your elder folks to eat more because they're starting to, you know, not want to eat as much at all and not caring to eat. So would you really want to give a person a medication that, you know, suppresses your appetite? You know, if you're like, older or if someone has like earlier stages of dementia or any of those kind of problems or issues 
Um, one one real problem that can come about is you know if you have diabetes and you know you just don't want to eat because you have you're taking this medication, then that can potentially cause a person to have low blood sugar because you know you're not eating anything, and that can cause people to become lightheaded, anxious, irritable, um, shaky, and you know like these are not guaranteed side effects, but you know it's just when you're taking these kind of medications, like for if you don't need it, then don't use it because there can be some problems that can come about from using a medication that you don't necessarily need. A really rare side effect is if a person has MEN2, they Zimpic can develop that person to have um, thyroid cancer, but that's really, really rare. Really rare. Extremely rare. So in conclusion, in terms of medication years, medication age, GLP-1 agonists are relatively young, with Ozempic and Victoza being the latest iterations of this class of drugs, and they've only been around like during the like 2010, 2014-ish. Um, so they're relatively new, and and a lot of good data has been gathered from them. A lot of good studies have shown like their their effectiveness and efficacy. Um, this class of medication has proven its viability in the treatment of diabetes, weight control, and providing cardiovascular benefits. It is competitive with other um, diabetes medications on the market, highly competitive, uh, sometimes outperforming those medications like insulin. Um, U.S. government and the World Health Organization are recognizing and acknowledging the usefulness of of these medications private businesses are are trying to get on the profitability of this drug class ramping up their operations and even though this is being touted as a quote-unquote you know miracle drug whatever it is important to note that there are serious side effects uh, and that only people who need this medication should be prescribed this medication and uh, some of the most common side effects are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, and constipation. Again, this has been another. Thank you for joining me today. This has been another episode of Balance of the Deficit. Um, this episode is for entertainment purposes only. If you have additional questions, please talk to your medical provider. This episode was not sponsored from Ozempic or never no disc at all. It's just me. I'm just a doctor. Just giving a little information. And until next time, 